Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Joseph Pulitzer's New York newspaper, The World, came to transform American media and make him wealthy, admired, and feared. Throughout his four decades as a reporter and publisher, he created a powerful artistic vehicle that spoke to an unprecedented number of readers. Towards the end of his life, he was both sickly and blind. Pulitzer's commitment to good reporting, to telling people what their world was about, continued to be fearless, even though he was being tested by some of the most powerful people in American life. Pulitzer has gone on to become an American icon who spoke of fake news more than a hundred years ago. He fought the dangers that suppression of news had for a democracy long before the present threats became real for today's press freedom. And with that, we're joined today by the director of a terrific documentary, one that I, I wholeheartedly encourage you to check out. It is, uh, it is about a man of, the, of history, but a man just as salient and, and relevant today, Joseph Pulitzer. The, the documentary is called Joseph Pulitzer, Voice of the People, and we're joined today by the director, Oren Radovsky. Oren, welcome to Film School. Welcome back. Thank you so much. It's, uh, I'm, I'm glad to be uh, part of the alumni crowd. Yes, you, you. thank you. You were here before for Colliding Dreams, which you co-directed with Joseph Dorman, and then also you were here for Ruins of Lifta, which uh, I think you were just a solo act at that on that uh, particular interview. But uh, those are two wonderful documentaries about, again, history that is as current and as relevant today as it was when it happened. And here we are once again with uh, Joseph Pulitzer and his story. Tell me a little bit about how you came to this documentary, your interest in Joseph's life, and uh, moving forward with it as a documentary. Yeah, well, this this all started out before the uh, 2016 elections, which made, made the film, uh, you know, dramatically more relevant than it, than it might have been before, but um, my co-writer uh, and co-producer, uh, Bob Seidman, um, who I worked on on a film many years ago called A Life Apart, Hasidism in America. So we've been in touch over the years, but he was very interested in Joseph Pulitzer and suggested that I think about working uh, on a film about him. And and of course, pre-2016, the film was already quite relevant because just because of the demise of, of newspapers around the country and around the world. And Joseph Pulitzer, at the turn of the century, of the, of the 20th century, uh, had one of the most uh, popular papers in the world, which was called The World. He changed it from the New York world, and he also had created the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, which is where he, he got his start in the business. But, but what really uh, attracted me to Pulitzer was just that no, nobody knows anything about him. And, and here he is, one of, uh, you know, created the Pulitzer Prizes, um, uh, created, endowed the Columbia School of Journalism, and, 
and and was really among the first to think of journalism as being a profession which should be a profession that that is professionalized but um also somebody with an incredible eye uh, he was really a genius and and I also read a book that a memoir that was written uh about him by one of his secretaries in the last year of his life in 2011 called Adventures with a Genius which just gave me a window into this very troubled complicated character really a novelistic or film kind of kind of uh film hero kind of guy and 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 so I was smitten with him and then uh and then all sorts of stuff happened because, uh, uh, you know, suddenly uh, the fact that he used the term fake news in yeah. 1907, Pulitzer used, used that term. Um, I think it was actually 1903 that he used that term to get that correctly. And also took on uh, Teddy Roosevelt in, in, in regard to the, the Panama Canal, which uh, was, was one of... Uh, Roosevelt's greatest, considered his greatest achievement, but which had all sorts of uh, questions of um, corruption. There are all sorts of reverberations with what's going on now, and you know. Yeah. Well, one of the things again, and there's another couple of parallels that I was struck by in in the film, and that is uh, as Pulitzer became more and more successful in the newspaper business, and when he sort of branched out. A little bit more out of the New York realm, he was also confronted at that time by a rising media mogul of sorts, and that was William Randolph Hearst. And what struck me about this sort of competition between Hearst and Pulitzer resonates in for me in a way that Hearst has always reminded me of Rupert Murdoch in that his style, his brand of of reporting and in the newspapers is more of a tabloid style where while Pulitzer was great at, at catching the eye and the attention of the reader, he also tended to be very focused on getting it right and getting the, the facts right and getting and providing some context for it as well. And, and I, maybe, maybe this is an analogy that is beyond what you would make yourself yeah, well, I, I think I think you've absolutely hit the nail uh, on the head for sure. You know, again, Pulitzer wasn't the first with all these things. What he was the first at, and and kind of a genius at, is putting together all these. You know, this idea of uh, tabloid press, sensational stories, but they were sensational stories that were true stories of what was going on. Uh, among the people in New York, what was going on in St. Louis. Right. Uh, um, you know, they were very down-to-earth stories, and, and the film sort of conveys them as, as Dickens-like stories because he, he, he really loved uh, uh, Charles Dickens. And, and if you think about Dickens' stories, you could say, oh, they're sensationalized, but in a way, they're based on, they're all based on reality. They're all based on the way people actually lived. Yeah. And 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 they had great readership, and and Pulitzer saw that, and he was also very interested in politics, and combine and and then he had these crusades he did for the raising funds for the Statue of Liberty, and 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 many other crusades that that he had, and he understood embedding 
embedding journalists like Nellie Bly in, in an insane asylum. You right. know, he had he had great ideas. Um, and uh, yes, uh, his competition with Hearst got really hot during the Spanish-American War, and that's when right. uh, his newspaper uh, kind of stretched truths a little more than 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 he should have, and and it was something that he deeply regretted. But but we see that every day in the press today, how uh, yeah. the lens to which. Yes, Murdoch-like papers, but many beyond that just uh, report the facts before they're facts. Uh, you know, uh, you don't see the New York Times putting down the number of dead uh, at some horrific event or other uh, before it's verified. Um, but you see plenty of other people uh, putting those numbers down. And it's not like the Times doesn't ever make mistakes, because they do. And the LA Times probably does as well. But, but you know, the effort is, as Pulitzer put it, accuracy, accuracy, accuracy. Right. right. Um, well, yeah. Well, we, I, I've, I sort of hijacked uh, the part of the our conversation in terms of getting to know who Joseph Pulitzer was and his his roots in terms of where he came from. Uh, he's got a fascinating backstory, and it in, and it in the documentary it really informs his career and his life, his, his, where he came from. He never, in some ways, he never, certainly never forgot it, but in certain, in many ways, it, it was a harbinger of what he was to become in, in his politics and his outlook uh, sure. and, and such. And also go, go ahead. Tell us a little well, bit about where he came from. Certainly. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, he, he, uh, very few people know that he was a Hungarian Jew and um, and that he was born in 1847. Very few people really know the history of 1848 when there were revolutions throughout many countries throughout Europe, and and most of them suppressed by the monarchies of the time. But they were progressive revolutions, and and that and and many of those progressives, when the revolutions uh, failed, people like Karl Schurz. Uh, came to America, and, and, and there was a German-speaking community of, of revolution, ex-revolutionaries, you might call them, yeah. uh, because when they came to America, America did have the democratic uh, values that, uh, and a, a free press, although obviously there were many, many problems, among them, say, slavery and child labor and, uh, and feminist movement was, was beginning, but they didn't have the vote. And, you know, yeah. so there was a, lo- a long way to go. But compared to Europe, the U.S. was uh, a relatively free place. And Pulitzer came here uh, in, right at, towards the end of the Civil War and was in a cavalry unit of German-speaking cavalry unit at the end of the war, and then went to St. Louis, where where he had like-minded uh, people, and he was a progressive. Uh, he wasn't particularly religious. He seems to have dropped any observance, Jewish observance, he might have had, but his progressive politics, that is a strand of, of Jewish uh, culture um, that, that he adhered to uh, throughout his life and uh, throughout the generations of the uh, the world folded in in 1933, but the 
Post-Dispatch was owned by the family until 2005 and maintained his progressive ideals and also interest in immigrants and yeah. interest in, in immigrant rights and understanding them. It wasn't just the stories of the, of the rich that he was interested in. He was interested in how, as Jacob Reese put it, how the other half lived. Uh, you know, in the midst of the Gilded Age. Mm-hmm. So it's a in- very interesting time that, that the film tells this whole story. Uh, his, his personal life, the life of New York City at the time, the politics, uh, and, and how he made a newspaper. Yeah, uh, yeah. We devote, you know, which is a fascinating story in and of itself. Right. Well, I want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with Oren Rodofsky. He is the director of a new film, Out today, uh, March 8th. It's called Joseph Pulitzer, Voice of the People. And I just want to let people know that there's three theaters, possibly four, I believe, that it's opening at this week at the Lemley Music Hall in Beverly Hills, the Town Center 5 in Encino, and the Playhouse 7 in Pasadena, and maybe at the Claremont. Uh, I believe that's a yeah. Lemley as well. Morning, Claire- morning, morning screenings at the Claremont. And I, I just want to add, I'm going to be doing... Uh, Q&As after uh, the Friday and Saturday uh, 740 screenings, and I'm going to be in Encino on Sunday evening and maybe try to sneak in there in the afternoon, but I'm not sure. And then at, at the Pasadena uh, Theater, um, Playhouse, 7. Playhouse 7, Saturday and Sunday afternoons after the 420 screening. Uh, th- that first theater is the Lemley Music Hall just so people know. And that's an, right there on Wilshire, fantastic location, great place to see movies, very, very cool place. And I've uh, been there many times. And uh, so you should, if you're in Los Angeles, if you're in Encino, Pasadena, and now Claremont, you really want to check out this film because we talk about him. We, now he sort of institutionalizes the Pulitzer Prize. We talk about this in this sort of grand, you know, grand dame, if you will, of, of American media. But in fact, he was a living, breathing. He he lived the life that his newspapers were seeking to sh- to shine a light on. Now, he was a wealthy man and he had some health issues later on in life that sort of sidetracked him. But I think it's really important to, to understand just how important he is in the history of a free press in America. And in my mind, that is America's crown jewel, our freedom of the press. And he was complete, so instrumental in that. But I want to talk about something else about him that made him such a success in that realm. We see in the film copies of the old, the world, and how beautiful, how fantastic the layout was, the artwork, the the all of it. It was it was an it's an amazing feast for the eyes, just to look upon how incredible and the to to think that this is something that came out on a daily basis, is just incredible. It's an incredible achievement. I would like to talk a little bit about that part of him, his eye for not only hiring great people, but his eye for understanding what draws people's attention to to things that he thought were important. Yeah, well, one of the uh, one of the people in the film, Nicholson Baker, the author of uh, a bunch of, of of great books, and uh, but but Nicholson Baker is also known for saving yeah. uh, the last uh, extended run of the world from from 1898 to the 1930s that was at uh, the British 
uh, library and was being auctioned off, and he put his own money on the line to save it. But Nicholson Baker also spent a lot of time uh, looking at these papers and photographing them for this book he put together called The World on Sunday uh, with his wife, Margaret Brentano. And, and what's extraordinary is, is how Pulitzer understood how the eye moves around the page and how, how people are interested in reading about stories. And, and we all know that experience of uh, you think you're, you're turning to page seven to read about a uh, continuation of a story you start on page one, but then, you know, your eye is caught by something else. Or, uh, and, and, and he brought incredible visuals uh, oh. to the paper in the mid-1890s. Uh, he was one of the first to have uh, cartoons in the paper and color, and uh, he just brought any, every technological advance he could but at the service of great stories and yeah. great journalism. Yeah. And, and, uh, and a lot of the great illustrators of his day and the great writers of his day uh, wrote for the paper. You know, Jack London was, was one of his writers, <laughs> among many others. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah. he, he knew how to bring one in to the newspaper, for sure. Absolutely. And also... You have this amazing cast of people voicing the different characters. You've got Adam Driver as a narrator. You've got Lee Schreiber as the voice of Joseph Pulitzer, Tim Blake Nelson doing Teddy Roosevelt, Rachel Brosnahan as the voice of Nellie Bly. You've got a whole fantastic cast of people helping yeah. with this. And and it's it's such I'll say this about the it's a in, engaging documentary. It's a literate documentary, and I mean that, and I think that's as high a compliment as I can pay you in terms of this, this work. It is, it is an enjoyable watch. It is all of the things that you, and you learn, you learn about something that you, you think you know something about. But when you watch this film, you realize what a rich tradition, and thank God there were people like Joseph Pulitzer. It wasn't alone. There were other people that were had shared his passion, but he had he had a business acumen and a vision that allowed this to become the standard by which all other American newspapers were going to be judged. Thank God. And I, I just want to say also that you know back in the day, you know this was the 1880s, 1890s, but they were doing exactly the same thing. As the internet did, they they had five, six, seven editions yeah. a day in the heat of things, and they were different. They were different layouts, different papers. They kept they kept advancing stories. Right. They would have like podcasts. They would have stories continue from one day to the next. They they really were a precursor to so many of the ways television treats the news and radio treats the news. Right. They were just because there was no television, there was no radio, there was no internet at his time. So, so the newspaper did all these things that, that we think of today as news. Yeah, when you think about all those different things, when you hear from old movies, when the newsboy is yelling extra, extra, it means what you just described. This is a new edition of the morning newspaper. This is an extra edition. We, it's sort of ingrained in our brains. We don't know. I don't think we have. An, uh, I didn't have an understanding of what that meant. When I'm watching this, I'm realizing, oh, yes, all of these different editions that would come out every day 
or the extra, extra read all about it meant there was an urgency to it. There was a certain immediacy to these stories that impacted people's lives. And thank God he was there to speak for the voiceless, for the people in the sweatshops, for the labor unions, for the all of these different, for the people in the tenements in New York City. He was there to tell their story, much to the chagrin of the gilded, of the wealthy, the rich and powerful. He was the embodiment again of something that we've taken for granted where the newspaper the press is supposed to provide comfort for the afflicted and afflicting the comfortable that's what newspapers and our media should be doing and joseph pulitzer lived that life yes well said and he he believed in making enemies daily <laughs> even <laughs> even among you know his so-called friends he often said i have no friends uh, I, I believe he had some friends, but he did not mind. If he saw a truth or a wrongdoing, he put it in regardless of, of, of who it was about. He, he was an equal opportunity a criticizer and, and, and truth teller. And, uh, yeah. you know, he paid a price for that. And then people, uh, there was some anti-Semitism at the time. He yeah. was called Joseph Julitzer or um, yeah. Joseph. Pulitzer, you know, and there were many other uh, versions of that. People knew who he was, but he was illustrated with an enormous beaked nose and other uh, stereotypical caricatures of, of Jews. Uh, you know, it, yeah. it, it, it was it, that was in the air for sure, yeah. but but often because people didn't like what they saw in print. Yeah. Well, I my congratulations once again to you, Oren Radovsky, for your work as you continue to produce a remarkable work, Colliding Dreams, Ruins of Lifta, and other work. And you can find out more about all of this. First, you need to go to josephpulitzerfilm.com, and that will help, that will lead you to some of your other work. Uh, and uh, is there a page for you? You're just alone, a standalone for your, uh, for your work? Oh, I have uh, OrenRudovskyProductions.com, if I got that right. I always forget if it's, uh, if it's Rudovsky Productions or film, but I, I believe that is... Uh, it'll, it'll get them close. It'll, they'll get there. It is Productions. Rudovsky Productions is the, is the website. Very good. Absolutely, yes. Very good. Well, I want to thank you again, once again. This is uh, such an honor to have you back on and, and for uh, such a great work here with uh, Joseph Pulitzer, Voice of the People. I'm so glad that's part of the title. And uh, um, thank you. Thank you so much, Oren, for being here and continued success. Thank, thanks so much for your great show. I really appreciate it. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.